Morning. I want to begin this year, as uh, that video said, hopefully you've heard a little bit about this, by challenging all of us um, in this month of January to take a greater step in your spiritual growth, wherever you are, whether you're a uh, medium, uh, you know, believer, whatever that means, or a new believer, or a devoted believer, um, all of us can make the choice, have to make a choice, to take a challenge, um, to go deeper in your walk, to make your spiritual life, your walk with Jesus Christ, um, deeper this year. And I want to do that. That's such a grand thing. It's like everything and nothing at all, right, when I say something like that. So I want to make it very concrete, and the challenge we're going to do is really just a, it's a month-long challenge. It really will begin sort of in earnest next Sunday, so this is the warm-up, right, to the introduction to prepare you and prepare the rest of our congregation, because most things, um, progress in life, you know, it happens, you know, one um, step at a time, right? You have to, you have to begin um, to take steps, small steps, but consistent ones. You have to be intentional. That's what I want to talk about over the next several weeks. Someone once said, and I think they're right, I don't know who said it, but that the entire Christian life, in a way, um, is, is, is one long game of catch-up, and I really think that's true. It's one long game of catch-up. In other words, everything that God has done for you in Jesus Christ, it's, in some ways it happens, you know, um, when we receive Christ as our Savior. It's like you, we, we get this amazing gift, right, in our hearts and our lives, those of us who know Christ, through the promises of God realized in the life of the Spirit. But it takes a while to understand what that gift is and to begin to learn how to appropriate it into the course of your life. The whole Christian life is a game of catch-up, Okay. And, but I think uh, many of us, you know, I'm not sure that we're um, doing so well or that we really know how to play this game, if I can use that metaphor. Now, it's not a formula, right? I'm not going to give you in these four weeks some kind of, you know, formula. Um, it's a way of life, okay? It's a way of life, what it means to grow as a Christian, um, and that's really what this series is about. But it is about being intentional, right? It's about being intentional. Now, it's not for beginners only. You might be saying, already, I'm going to check out. You know, I've been here a while. It's not for beginners only. It's for everybody. And if you think that you are past um, the ABCs of the Christian faith, um, you're wrong, Right? Because it's not about going on to the D, E, Fs, and Gs. It's about learning how to be more open and more um, fully committed to the basics at deeper levels in your life, okay? So what is the four-week challenge? It contains really four challenges. That's as I say, it begins next week. Let me just lay them out for you. Again, this is simply by way of introduction. The first one is to spend time with God. Now, what do I mean by spending time with God? Specifically, I'm talking about a prayerful engagement, a daily engagement with God's word. 
okay? That's what I'm talking about. What does it look like? And we'll talk a little bit specifically about this next Sunday. I hope many of you, at the very least, are beginning to read the scriptures with us. We'll, we'll amp this up uh, next week, but we start, we do this together as a congregation. We're reading through... Um, the New Testament and half of the Old Testament. If you're with us, you can do this uh, online, on our app, on our website. We're reading Genesis and Matthew, okay? But we'll talk more about spending time with God and my challenge to you is, not only will this challenge have to do with reading God's word, prayerfully reading it, applying it in your life, but also being here in worship, right? I wanna challenge you, not the whole year, that'd be great, just for the next Four weeks starting next Sunday. Spending time with God. Also, spending time with others. Okay? The Christian life, if you're familiar with the New Testament, it's, it certainly begins with propositional truth and content, but it's experiential in nature. It's worked out in community with others. That's the way God designed it, right? We love one another, speak the truth to love one to another. We bear one another's burdens, right? And so fulfill the law of Christ. It's exp- I saw this movie um, just this week, The Two Popes. Anybody see that? Anyway, it's a Netflix. It's apparently, I, if it's true, I don't know if it's true to life, it's about the current pope and the last pope, Benedict, Francis, they're both alive. Fascinating story, if it's true. How they knew each other only once in the you know, thousands of years of, 2,000 years of there being popes, however long there has been, there's only been one other time where a pope's resigned, right? In the 12th century or the 1200s or something, you know? Uh, and, and this just happened, you know, a few years ago. But it's about their relationship, and they apparently were at odds as cardinals. You know, they were on two different sides. You know, they were the right and the left, I guess, of theologically or politically. But it's about their relationship. It's about how they kind of warmed up and became friends. And there's this one scene in the movie where Benedict, you know, has, has come to a place where he's kind of grown a heart for Francis. They're, they're about to make this transition. He says to him, and, and again, I don't know if this is true, but he says, uh, he says, well, now that you're going to be Pope, what are you going to do differently? In other words, what are you going to do different than what I did? And Francis has this smile on his face. I'll tell you what I'm going to, one thing I'm going to do. He says, I'm not going to eat my meals alone. And one of the things you learn about Benedict was that he always ate his meals alone. That was his, just his discipline. And, and, and he got a smile on his face. He said, you know, uh, 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 Holy Father, or whatever he called him, you know, he said, you know that... When Jesus was on the earth, you know, he always did everything in community. He had his 12 disciples and he gave them this lesson. He said, this is how the Christian life is supposed to be lived, right? You're supposed to spend time with others. I want to challenge you to do that. Third, you need to know and use your gifts, right? The Christian life's a lot about learning, but ultimately it's about doing, And the power in the wisdom that I long for, the power in the wisdom that you long for, ultimately, it's released in your life, it's released in my life, as you and I begin to engage in the ministry that God has called us to. Jesus said, listen, as the Father hath sent me, so I'm sending you, right? Everybody, it's not, the church is not built off the X percent who are doing this and that, right? There's no such thing as a spectator Christian if you really want to experience the life of the Bible talks about, okay? So you need to know and use your gifts. And lastly, you need to share your faith, right? God has a mission, 
right, for everybody. The church is a mission organization, and it starts right where you live. And what we're going to do on the last week of this month, we're going we're to start another series on the 2nd of February, okay? And that series is an opportunity, right? You've got a month to get ready to invite somebody, not just to simply come to a service, although that's all that we can really expect any of us to do, but hopefully that someone, maybe someone who's starting out inquiring, maybe they're a, a de-churched or unchurched person, they could come and join you for this six-week series, but you can just invite them to one. We'll do our best to try to, in, in, you know, uh, make them, encourage them to come back, right? That's our job, I guess. But invite them. And you say, well, gee, Rob, that's wonderful. If everybody takes you up on the channels, where are we going to put everybody? Okay, well, we'll figure it out, okay? We'll have a noon service if we have to. That's not uh, a concern. So that's the challenge in a nutshell, you know, let me say this. Take your phone out if you have one. I want you to sign up for this. Some of you can do this today, and some of us, you can do this after. You just text 2020 to that number. You say, what is the point of the signing up? Here's why. Because what we want to do, and again, this won't start until next weekend, but is to send you texts over the course of just, we're not going to do this forever, over the course of a month, There'll be um, encouragements, scriptural encouragements. There'll be prayers that you can pray. There will be some um, directions back to the challenges, into the reading program, into the opportunities to be involved in community, in areas of service over the course of the next four weeks. So I hope that you will do that. I have done that, and I look forward to us doing this as a congregation together. The Christian life is easy, but it's not simple, right? And if you commit yourself to it, it will change your life, okay? There's the challenge. Now, this morning, I want to lay the foundation just in the few minutes that I have left, right? The foundation of this entire thing. And that is to talk to you just for 20 minutes or less as we share and we'll prepare to take communion together about the gospel, Okay, because the gospel is the foundation of everything that you're going to do. In other words, these steps, these challenges are built out of your understanding, your appreciation, your living engagement, my living engagement with the gospel. But the gospel is not, let's start with what it's not, it's not a transaction. And the gospel is not a scheme for a better life, right? That's where some of us struggle, right? Christianity is sort of like the, the four habits too, you know? It's not a scheme for a better life. The gospel is a way of life. And at the center of that way of life is the cross of Jesus Christ, which is what I want to talk about in the few minutes that I have. It's the absolute centerpiece of the Christian life. Galatians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, in a brief message titled, A Cross-Shaped Life. Galatians 6, 14 and 15. Paul the Apostle. May I never boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new 
creation. The cross of Jesus Christ, what is he saying here? It's the center of everything that God has done, right? The whole gospel, the whole point of the Bible. But it's also the center of everything that God yet wants to do in his life and in your life and in my life. Yes, it is the basis of our forgiveness. I think many of you know that, right? Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. We know that. It's the basis of our forgiveness, but it is also, okay, the source of your spiritual growth. This is where some of us get screwed up. We get off the track. It's not only the source of our forgiveness. You might say the front door. It's the inner door and the upstairs door and every door in the thing called the Christian life. The question I want you to think about this morning as we prepare to take this table together, the communion I should say, where are you really putting your trust? Where are you really, okay? I mean boots on the ground tomorrow putting your confidence. Paul uses this word. Words are important. May I never boast, right? Now what is boasting? You know, we all know what boast is. One of the few words that don't need a lot of translation. But it's interesting, this word boast, a very big word. Paul uses it a lot, right? What are you, where, where, is, where are you boasting about? What you boast about, listen to people, you know. I spend a lot of my time, or some of it, some of you, you're, you're spending any time in a men's locker room, you know. I mean, what a great, I'd love to have a, an audio tape anyway. You don't want a videotape, but an audio tape of a men's locker room about boasting, right. What you boast about, what I boast about, right, is your functional God. And for most of us, it is either our achievements, right, or our fears. Both of these, Paul says, we need to bring to the cross of Jesus, okay? May I never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, a couple things quickly in this message. The cross of Jesus Christ is a death blow to all forms of human pride, okay? This is what the Bible says. What do I mean by that? You know, the world is full of conflict. Our, I'm talking about the geopolitical scale, right? I mean, the world is so full of conflict, and that's not new. We, we all only live one life, right? But I think if you transported yourself back in time, um, it's always been true, and it is still true. Not only is the world at large full of conflict, but our own lives are full of conflict. The source of that conflict is an excessive pride, a self-satisfaction in, whether it's individual or a people group, in our achievements, our possessions, or our abilities, okay? And we can't help it, right? Our achievements, we joke about you know, our football team, whatever the case may be. Our achievements, our possessions, in our abilities. But let me say something about those. I'm not anti-achievement. I'm not anti-position. I don't live under a bridge, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about your relationship with, but when it comes to your relationship with God, if you say, listen, I'm in church this morning because I do, I am a follower of Jesus, and I do want to experience greater power in my life. I want to experience Christ-likeness, whatever words. I want to grow as a Christian. That's a value to me. If that's true, what I'm saying to you is this. 
your achievements, your accomplishments, your abilities cannot help you in your relationship with God. In fact, in many ways, as you see them as, the, as means to grow in your relationship, they're actually going to stand in opposition to that, right? That's what the Bible is saying. That's what Paul is saying here. The cross renders all of those things, achievements, accomplishments, possessions, when it comes to growing with God, it renders them irrelevant. It's true of your religious background, if you have one. It's true of your racial background. If you're from a more, you know, um, a celebrated racial background in this world, in this, okay, good for you, but it means nothing in your relationship. Your socioeconomic background, has absolutely no, it will not help advance your walk with Jesus at all. Think about the way the Bible is written. It's written with this great reversal, you know, the, the short guy, the, the seventh son, the, the barren woman, the whole nature of the scripture trying to make a simple point. Don't get the wrong idea about what it means to walk with God. Okay, that's what Paul is saying, that's what I'm saying. You've heard pastors say this, you know, it's kind of a cliche. The, 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 the ground is level at the foot of the cross, okay? The ground is level. The, you know, that's true. That's just a fancy way of saying, listen, at the foot of the cross, when it comes to having a relationship with God, a growing relationship with God, all of those things, which are not completely unimportant, your achievements, your accomplishments, your abilities, but all of those things have absolutely no value at that moment and in that place before God. It's, and that's why, by the way, Paul will say in this full passage in many other places in the New Testament that the cross is offensive to people. They don't mind the Ten Commandments. They don't mind, you know, the X's and O's of, of, of the faith. They don't mind good works and doing good and helping the poor. But don't talk to me about the cross. Why is the cross offensive, right? He says that even in this full passage. They're trying to stay away from the... Well, I'll tell you why. Because the ground is level at the foot of the cross because I don't want to be next to somebody who does this. I don't want you to think that I'm like them, right? If, I'm, if, if, the, if the ground is level at the foot of the cross, that means the people that are following Jesus along with me are this and that and the other thing, right? They're of the wrong race, they're of the wrong socioeconomic background, the wrong education. They've done things that I've never done, and it's offensive to me, okay? The cross of Jesus Christ is a death blow to all forms of human pride, Right? God's holiness, which we don't know a lot about, that's why we, we, we don't get it, you and me, is as much at odds, listen carefully, God's holiness is, at much, is as much at odds with a murderer as he is with a greedy person or someone who has lust in their heart. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, right? On the cross, out of a deep love, this is what the cross, I want you to just focus your mind for a few minutes. On the cross, out of a deep love, Jesus Christ identified with every single person that ever lived. He said this, if you can imagine, I am here, right? 
I am here. Why did God send his son? Why didn't God just look the other way? How foolish, how barbaric, how, you know, um, how, how foolish and simplistic, you know, God would have to sacrifice his son. I am here, Jesus says, because of you. It's your sin I'm bearing, your curse I'm suffering, your debt I'm paying, your death I'm dying, right? Only when you see that and learn to live out of that will it change your life, okay? And these challenges that we're going to pick up are simply means and ways to deepen and get yourself more. The cross is not something we, we don't start with the cross and move on. We start with the cross and move in, right? That's what I'm talking about. C.S. Lewis, right? The cross is, is a, um, you know, the death blow to all forms of human pride. The, probably the greatest book, I would say, you know, some pastors would say the same thing. The greatest book written about the Christian faith in the last hundred years, many would say, is, is the book um, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. One whole chapter in that book is titled The Great Sin. Okay? If you haven't read that book. The Great Sin is Pride. Listen to what he says. In God you come up against something which is in every respect, immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Before we can look at the cross and see it as something that was done for us, we need to look at the cross and see it as something done by us. Okay? Listen to John Stott. Listen to these words. Nothing reveals the gravity of sin like the cross. For ultimately, what sent Christ there was neither the greed of Judas, nor the envy of the priests, nor the vacillating cowardice of Pilate, but our own greed, envy, cowardice, and other sins, and Christ's resolve in love and mercy to bear the judgment and so put them away. It is impossible for us to face Christ's cross without integrity and not to feel ashamed of ourselves. Apathy... Selfishness and complacency blossom everywhere in the world except at the cross. It is only when we see this that stripped of our self-righteousness and self-satisfaction, we are ready, it's my point, it's my question, to put our trust in Jesus Christ as the Savior we urgently need. Okay? The cross of Jesus is a death blow to all forms of human pride. Second, the cross of Jesus is a way of life and a way of seeing the world, okay? It is a way of life and it's a way of seeing the world. Back to this word boasting, right? May I never boast except in the cross 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, who wrote, you know, a third or more of the New Testament, you know, that all the letters, this is one of his favorite words. He, it's, it's found in the New Testament, the word boast, over 50 or 60 times, almost all of them are in the letters of Paul, right? Boasting. Why is that? Well, see, Paul knew something about boasting. What is boasting? Boasting is, you know, we tend to boast about the things that make us look good, right? right? And, and, you know, Paul was actually, there's two long passages in the New Testament where Paul knew a thing or two about boasting, right? And I think it's in Philippians where he says, listen, now there are some people that like to boast. And it says, well, if anyone can boast, I'm going to boast, Paul says, right? And he gives you this great lineup of his, of his resume. He said, listen, you know, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was born the eighth day of, a, of the tribe of Benjamin. In other words, I'm, I'm, I was born with the right people. I got the right skin color. I'm from the right people group, right? And I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. When it comes to the law, he says, I'm flawless. I'm blameless. That's how well I understood. And he goes on and on and on, right? It's just one of his examples. Boasting about good behavior and career success. But he came to a place when he met Jesus Christ and everything changed, Right? For the first time, he'd become dead to the need for the world's approval, right? See, some of us, it's human nature. We live our whole lives, right? It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're, you could be a, a high school student, a college student, a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, whatever it is, right? We live our whole lives, even our marriages, our relationships. It's all about gaining approval. And Paul said, for the very first time, when I finally understood the cross of Jesus Christ, I'm going to boast in the cross because it satisfied the deepest needs in my life. And for the first time in my life, I no longer am a slave to the world. I will boast in nothing except for the cross of Jesus Christ, for which the world has been crucified unto me and I unto the world, right? That's what he's talking about. That's the kind of freedom he's talking about. The world no longer controlled him. It, uh, uh, the cross revolutionized his life. Has it revolutionized yours? 1 Corinthians 18 and 19, chapter 1. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who believe, to those who are perishing, excuse me, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligence I will frustrate. Now what is he saying here? It's a, a truckload of theology in a minute, okay? The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved. Well, uh, wait a minute. That's the wrong verb tense. Go get another copy of the Bible, right? No. He, what is he saying here? What do you mean you're being saved? Rabbi, I thought that once saved, always saved. And if you're a Christian, you know, there's no turning back. He's saying this. Remember. The cross is both. There's, there, there's two aspects to the cross, okay? At least. One is that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin. In that sense, you're a passive agent. I'm a passive agent. I trust in him. I put my faith in what he has done, historical, and God applies that 
that crucifixion, that judgment that happened on the cross, he applies it to me. This we call this forgiveness. That is, there's nothing you can do about that except simply open your heart to it. Many of you have done that, okay? That's point one. But in, a, in that sense, you're saved. No one can take that from you. But the being saved part, okay, he's not talking about the penalty of sin. Has it been removed from you? He's talking about the power of sin, okay? Raise your hand if you, you know, no longer struggle with anything, with lust, with greed, with, with anger, with, with envy. And I, I don't see any hands going up, okay? Of course, your salvation is a work in progress. I'm not talking about your destiny. I'm talking about your experience. That's what Paul is talking about, right? When it comes to his experience, listen, I'm gonna boast in nothing. I've understood something, that the cross of Jesus Christ is not only the historical reality that canceled my debt to God. Oh, that's wonderful, and it is. If that's all you have, it's an amazing, unbelievable, shout-from-the-rooftops reality. But it's more than that. The cross of Jesus Christ is a living reality of which I can come to him every day, right? And I come with my struggles, with my anxieties, with my fears, with my envy, with my lust, and I bring them to that very same living reality. I carry in my body the death of the Lord Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be manifest in me, okay? This is the ongoing work of the cross, okay? That's what he's talking about. Let me just give you the full quote. I wish I had time. Where Paul says in, this, when in, in 1 Corinthians, he says, listen, the message of the cross is the power of God. He says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the, intelligent of the, intelligent, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. It's a quotation from the Isaiah's prophecy where God says, listen, I'm gonna turn the world's wisdom on its head. Now look at the full quote. This is, this is where Paul's getting his quotation from. Because he's, I give you the full quote because he's saying, he's giving you a different paradigm for what it means to be a Christian. How are you living your Christian life? These people come near with me, near to me with their mouth, this is Isaiah, and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, right? Their Christianity is simply going through the motions, right? It's simply their achievements, their accomplishments. They're, they're, they're just taking that same old way of, of talking about their life and they've you know, co-opted into what it means to be a Christian. It's like Paul says in Galatians, who has bewitched you? You started through a relationship with the Spirit, but now you just think well, what it means to grow as a Christian is just get on the good works bandwagon, right? And your life is emptied out of all the power and the joy. no. The people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They've forgotten what it means to grow. They wor their worship of me is based merely on human rules they have been taught. Then he says to so the quote, therefore, right? Once more I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligence will vanish. What's he talking about? He's talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. In other words, the, the, the coming of the Messiah. He's saying, I'm, I'm gonna do something that's gonna blow this whole paradigm upside down. Let me say this. I'm sort of out of time here. The book of Revelation. The two most in, important chapters in the book of Revelation is Revelation chapter four and chapter five if you know the book of Revelation. It's all about Jesus Christ, right? The great revelation. In chapter four and chapter five in the book of Revelation, 
Um, many scholars would tell you this is the key. They're in heaven, in the throne of heaven. It's, this, it's the most wild thing you've ever seen and all these creatures and, and it's wild. The throne of God. And there's this moment, I think it's meant to be ironic, and it says, and John is there and he's listening and, and he says, all of a sudden there's the throne, there's all these people worshiping and these weird beings and these elders and all this stuff going on. And he says, then there was this scroll this beautiful scroll with seven seals and scholars call it the book of history. It's like the meaning of life. Everything that God ever, it's in this scroll. And it says, that someone yelled out, who is worthy to open the scroll? And it says, nobody answered. And this time when he says, and John says, I began to weep and weep and weep. And I thought, there's there's, here you are, this beautiful heaven, and somebody's we. It doesn't make any sense, right? And I'm sure this is on purpose. He's weeping and weeping, and finally someone taps him on the shoulder, and he says, it's okay, right? An angel, and says, points him. And he says, and I looked, and he said, I saw a lamb who had been slain. Oh, this is so strange. I don't know what this means. And the lamb who had been slain, right? walked up to God on the throne and says, I'll open the seal. Okay, now, why am I telling you that story or sharing that is? The book of Revelation, of course, is about what it is that God is doing. God's opening up saying, let me tell you the whole story of everything I've done in wildly vivid images and, 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 and symbols. But what he's saying in this, the only person who could open the book of history, the meaning of history, the, the, the definition of reality. You know, in the book of Revelation itself, the revelation from Jesus Christ, there are many, many names about God. You know, I mean, Jesus, he's the Alpha, he's the Omega, he's the Lion of the tribe of Judah, he's the King. There's all these names, right? But you know the one that's used the most? 28 times the Lamb. Right? Why is that? Because it's telling you something. The cross of Jesus Christ does not just tell you what God did. Wait for it. It's telling you who God is. He's the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. He opens the book of history. Only one person was able to open the book of history and open the seals. It was the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. Remember the great revelation to Moses? When Moses says, I want to know who you are? God says, get behind the rock, I'll tell you. He doesn't say, I'm, a, I'm you know, Alexander the Great. He doesn't say, I'm, you know. He says, I am um, love and compassion and mercy, forgiving sin uh, to, the, to the tenth gender. In other words, this is who God is. So what I'm saying to you, friends, is this. May I never boast except in the cross of the Lord. Paul's not saying that to show you to be modest. He's telling you how to live your life. He says you want to have real freedom. You want to know what it really means to walk with God and not only go to heaven when you die, but to experience heaven where you live. In other words, have the power of God in your life. You need to, you need to the cross of Jesus Christ needs to be the center of your life. Right? Are you with me? That's what we're talking about. We're going to tear in communion right now as a way to finish this service, really to launch this uh, month. Let me say this. 
the communion experience, why is it so central? It's for the reasons I just got done saying. When the, when the Last Supper happened, many of you know this, the Passover, it was the Passover meal. The Passover meal followed the day before when they slayed, they, they, they killed the lambs, okay? That was the lamb that had been roasted from the Passover meal. And the Last Supper, and now what we're doing in response to that, the communion, it's a vivid, acted parable, right? Of bringing us to what is the heart of our faith. And it's about receiving Christ, the crucified Savior, and in a sense, feeding on him in our hearts by faith, okay? It's reaffirming what is at the heart of our faith. It's in a manner of speaking, saying in our hearts what Paul said in those words, may I never boast. What's really my motivating, what operandi in life? What's really the heart of my life? Where do I find my strength and my identity? It's not in my achievements or in my failures. It's in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. It's in his sacrifice. It's participating in his benefits and it's giving thanks for what he has done. Amen? So I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna pass out these elements, hold on to them, and then we'll take them together to close this service. God and Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you for every man and woman and person in this room and we just come to you. We love you and we open our hearts to you and we long to feed on you, so to speak, uh, again this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.